Um, I'd like to introduce Rabbi Yaakov Klein of Elecha. Yaakov is an author, a musician, and a lecturer devoted to sharing the inner light of the Torah through his, through his books, his music, and his lectures. His musical halals are simply divine. I can vouch for that. I go to every single one. I wouldn't miss it for anything. And the Shirim at 6.30, a little bit before that. Um, if anyone wants to know a little bit more about um, Rabbi Yaakov and his, uh, and his sessions, please um, contact Sophia or myself and we can sign you up to, uh, to receiving the podcast and the amazing, really inspiring talks. And he's written the most amazing book for Shabbat. <laughs> yeah, like, um, and we're very, very honoured to have Rabbi Yaakov Klein to speak to us tonight. Thank you so, so Thank much. You Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you to everybody for being here. It's obviously a busy time, and even if it wasn't a busy time, for Jews to get together in such a place, to be able to listen to words of inspiration is already a very big deal. So even if nothing else was accomplished other than eating some berries and cake a little bit before Pesach, to have a few minutes of Yishav Hadas, what's called in Hebrew, just a little bit of calmness, you know, take some time, a little bit of breathing, to be able to get ourselves into the zone of Pesach, which can be really difficult for men, very, very, very difficult, for sure, for women, many of whom are busy with the preparations and cooking and cleaning and, and, and all the technical details. And sometimes we can get so caught up in all the technical, practical things that we need to do for the Chag, or that we're preparing or that we're thinking about, that sometimes the spirit of the time can be something that gets overlooked, which is a crazy thing, because the spirit is the whole reason why we're doing any of it in the first place, right? And this is true for life in general, but it's true specifically for a Chag. And it's true even more precisely about the Chag of Pesach. So it's very important that we take a few minutes to talk a little bit about what is the energy of Pesach? What is it that we're trying to tap into as we get closer and closer to this particular Chag? How can I go into the Chag one way and come out a different way? A different way. What am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to absorb? What am I supposed to take with me as I march into the Chag and then experience the Seder and Matzah, which we'll talk about, and then come out more elevated. And so, even before we start to speak about any of this, I want to mention, of course, GIFT, which is such an incredible organization, as Michelle mentioned. And it's strange, you know, because the Jews' needs, the, Jewish, the needs of the Jewish people are always very many. But specifically before Pesach, there's something called in Hebrew and Aramaic, really, Kimcha de Pischa, supporting people, people who don't have food to eat for Pesach. We get together and we contribute funds and we take something that we have and we give it to others that are in need. And in so doing, we enable them to enjoy a Chag in the way that gives them dignity that they can feel free, you know, on, the, on the, uh, the days of freedom. And so very deeply, our sages teach that all the Chagim, all the Yamim Tovim are called in the Torah, Mikra'e Kodesh, right? Mikra'e Kodesh, which means on a simple level, they are pronounced holy, right? Mikra'e Kodesh, we pronounce them holy. That's what it means on a simple level. But the Sadiqim taught, the great masters of spirit taught that Mikra'i Kodesh doesn't just mean these are days that are called holy, but these are days that call out holy callings. It's a different thing. 
Mikra'e Kodesh. On these days, there's a signal that goes out to the Jewish soul, sometimes buried under many layers, which we'll speak about. And there's the opportunity for us on these days to begin like a, like a radio, you know, to tune into a little bit of a, a little bit of a signal, like something's coming through, a message is coming through, guidance is coming through, hope is coming through, meaning is coming through. Mikra'e Kodesh, the Chagim call out to us. And in order to be able to listen to the callings of the Chagim, that we should hear what they're telling us and take it to heart and bring it into our lives, we need to first rectify our ears and unblock, right? I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually speaking, we need to be able to hear the call of the Chagim. And the righteous tell us that this is why before Pesach, specifically, we're going ahead and we're making a very big deal about donating to people to be able to give them food for Pesach. And the reason is because Hashem says, if you can't hear the call of the needy, if you're not a person who's sensitive to the needs of another Jew, it's going to be very, very difficult to hear the call of the Chag. This is how we clean our ears, so to speak. This is how we unblock the channels, by making sure that we're aware, we're sensitive to the needs of others around us. And when we can do that, we come into the Chag, we're ready. We're ready to hear what the Chag has to tell us because we were able to hear the call of another of another human being. Kimcha de Pischa. It's also a very special opportunity for me to have my wife here, Shira, right? So it's such a privilege, doesn't happen often. And it's specifically uh, valuable to me because now I actually have to try to like do what I say. You know, can't get away with just saying something. She's... So thank you all for being here. Anything worth talking about necessitates that we go back to the very, very, very beginning. The very beginning. Because anything that we talk about in the middle, certainly as we get toward the end of whatever kind of narrative, a little bit it's like step two, step three, step four. You know, things already get complicated, layers. To speak about the essential message of anything, we have to go back to the essence of it, to the seed of it, to the core of it. And the core of everything, all that there is, everything, is the story of Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's the beginning of the Torah. It's before anything happens. The world is created, and then we read about that story. It's the beginning of everything. It's the root of everything. It's the root of all breaking. And I don't think there's one individual here who hasn't experienced in her life some kind of, of breaking, of challenge, of difficulty. We all have our story, right? But more specifically and, and, and joyously, it's the root of all fixing. To understand where things break, to understand where fixing comes from. So we have to think and talk a little bit now about what it means that Adam and Chava eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, as opposed to eating from the tree of life, right? It's not just a story, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen, I don't know, metaphorically, it's a story that we relive every single day. This is the sum total of human choice. Which tree am I eating from? What does this mean? It means many things on many levels. Just to develop one trend, how it relates to Pesach. With Hashem's help. The verse says in Kohelas, 
Shlomo Amalek, King Solomon teaches, say the Hebrew first and I'll translate it, Asa Elohim Esa Adam Yashar. Which means God created man Yashar. How do you translate Yashar? Straight, direct, focused, right? Yashar. And the verse continues, But then very quickly, mankind sought out many different kinds of calculations, many different kinds of sophisticated ways of thinking and wandering. And and in, in its most basic understanding, of course, this verse is a verbal expression of what took place in the Garden of Eden. Hashem told Adam and Chava to eat from a singular tree. It's called the Eitz HaChaim. It's the tree of life. There's no, it's not good and bad. It's not up and down. It's just the tree of life. It's just life. Life. But very quickly, all of a sudden they're eating from a tree that has all different kinds of options. Things get complicated. This is good and this is ra. This is not good. Each of us in our lives journey from the Eitz HaChayim, the tree of life, along the way, we travel down a fragmented path of, of Tov and Ra, where things get complicated, convoluted. And what I mean is that all of us have a shared journey. There's not one person in this room that doesn't. Disparate as we may be, different as we may be, each person sitting here is a whole world. You have your own story and your own background and your own, your own journey. But every single one of us experienced the journey from childhood to adulthood, right? All of us were once children. Small children, sweet children, simple children. Children who are full of life. Full of life, full of wonder, full of imagination, full of simplicity. I don't even need to say full of simplicity, just say full. We were full. Children are full. Somewhere along the way, a little bit, we have like a, like a hole, like a puncture on this side and a puncture on that side. And a little bit, we start emptying out. And we start becoming a little bit fragmented in all these different kinds of ways as we develop more awareness of other people and more awareness of what life is and what's expected of us And for one reason or another, without getting into the psychology of it, because it's also unique to every person, you can't make any blanket statement. That's the only blanket statement you can make. You can never make a blanket statement. For one reason or another, we start to put on layers. Different layers. We're protecting ourselves. A little bit something breaks inside and nobody's really there to stitch it back together. So we feel that we need to pretend that we're still full, even though we feel like we're empty. So we put on different masks of one kind or another. Societally, religiously, in our careers, in any kind of outward-facing materials, like we call it in an organization, right? So internal emails, they don't look fancy in graphic design. And then there's the outward-facing materials where everything has to be beautiful. It's not bad or good. This is just a fact. I do this, you do this, all of us do this. This is a fact of of life, of human life. 
But what many of us fail to realize is that this fact of putting on layer after layer after layer and showing up to the world in a way that's less authentic than we actually, than we actually are is not a fixing for whatever we think is broken, that this is the strategy that we need to use now to go ahead and to operate as a, as a fully functional adult. Because, like I mentioned, because of whatever broke that, that necessitates that we have so little self-worth that I need to get it from somebody else. So I need to do something so that the other person gives me approval. Whatever it is. But in fact, that experience itself is the canvas of human artistry. What I mean is learning how to utilize the vessels of adulthood and all of the arenas that we have as mothers and as friends and as, 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 as spouses and as, and as children, all the different, and, as, and whatever we do for our occupation, whatever it is, every area of life, how to rediscover that essential fullness, to rediscover it, to get back in touch with that sense of simplicity, that sense of youth. That's the whole goal. That's the whole goal, right? And it's something that each and every one of us can do. Pesach is all about freedom. What does freedom mean, right? Freedom means so many different, even if we went around the room here. Freedom is so subjective. One person's freedom is another person's slavery. One person can think that capitalism is the greatest freedom in the world. Somebody else can think that being accosted by a thousand different options of food to buy in the supermarket and, 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 and all these different materialistic things that I think that I need is the greatest slavery. It's not freedom. You're free to choose, but you're forced to buy. Right? So what? So you're, not, you're free to choose all the things in the mall, but you were compelled to go into the mall. What is it? Is it freedom? I don't know. Slavery, freedom, all these things mean different things. Freedom in the most existential sense means unencumbered, unchained, not being stuck in somebody else's cycle where I have to be a certain way because of anybody else. Where I can finally be the most revealed version of who I was when I was, when I was small. That part of me that still is small. That part of me that gets afraid. That part of me that doesn't really feel like I have it all together all the time. Maybe none of the time. That's my life. Right? That part of me that has challenges. That part of me that gets a bit confused in life. That part of me where even if I take a very strong stance of one kind or another, deep inside there could be a place that I'm not so certain. Being free means beginning to strip away all the layers of sophistication and rediscovering what we refer to as the tree of life, which is not good or bad, 
It just is. It's just life. Without, without judging it. And without being fearful of somebody else judging it. Because there is no judgment. It's just subjective. There just is life. Hashem created each and every person in this room, each and every person sitting here, is a whole world. So much so that, that Chazal say, our sages teach, that it would have been worth creating the world for each and every person in and of themselves. How foolish then for me to spend so much time and effort evaluating my worth based on what the next person thinks or what the next person is or what any other vision of success looks like that now I have to measure myself up against. I need to see it as if all there is is me, not in an egotistical sense, but in a sense of understanding that there is no, obje- there is no objective standard. There's just my subjective reality. And my subjective reality is life. Without judging it, it's just, it's just life. With all of its ebbs and flows, with all of its confidence and all of its insecurity. With all of its high moments and all of its, all of its confusing times. That's the Eitz HaChayim, that's simple. A child doesn't think 10 times before it cries out because it wants something. A child wants something, he cries. A child finds something funny, he laughs. There's no, there's no calculation, there's no inhibition. It's not so concerned with what somebody else thinks. You've all seen by bar mitzvah, you know, the three-year-old stands up on the table and says, and all the adults are, are envious of the child. And they have every reason in the world to be. We think that we're here to teach children. Maybe it's true. We're here to teach children outside stuff. All the pragmatic details, okay, he needs to know math and he needs to know science and all these things. He needs to learn an occupation. The real important things, <coughs> the children are here to teach us. The real important things. All these things that they teach in school, it's, it's, it's useful, it's necessary. But that's not the secret of life. That's the Eitzadas Toivara, so they have to know what's good and what's not good. But the secret of life, the visceral experience of living authentically, they're our greatest Rebbes, they're our greatest teachers in the world, children. Pesach freedom means for one night a year, hopefully, and I bless you with this and I bless me with this, for one night a year, I start to run again. Why don't adults run? Why don't we skip? Why don't I skip down the sidewalk? You never want to skip? I want to skip sometimes. I don't do it. Why? Sometimes I do. But (laughs) most, most of the time I don't. Why? Because I'm a respectable boy. I wear a jacket. I'm saying people are looking at me. I'm not skipping down the sidewalk, right? Children run and they skip and they frolic. Do you know how the Jews got out of Egypt? They didn't walk. They ran. Because freedom from Egypt means the freedom to run again. The freedom to drop a charade. The freedom to say, Master of heaven and earth, listen, I don't have anything, let's be honest. I don't even have bread. I didn't take bread with me. It's just me and you. It's just me, a spark of you. It's just me, a fragment of the divine, trapped in a human body, shocked (coughs) that life is so challenging when 
I am an embodiment of the plague of Barad, which was hail, but it wasn't any hail. It was fire mixed with ice. That's what all of us sitting here are. However relaxed we may seem, there's a tension here. Soul and body, I mean, it's ripping us apart. So of course we're fragment. Of course, of course it's difficult. Yeah, that's life. That's life. We skipped out of Egypt. So imagine a nation of people just skipping free. That's how it was. Seder night, the whole secret of Seder night is about what? It's a matzah. Matzah. Whole thing of the Seder is matzah. What's matzah? Matzah, if it could be embodied in a word, is unpretentiousness. <coughs> it's matzah. You get what you see. You get what you see. It's just the ingredients. That's what it is. And it's not ashamed. And many pieces of matzah are broken even. And they're okay with that. This flat little cracker. It's not, I'm not eating it because it commemorates something that happened thousands of years ago. But because right now in this moment, this is a vessel. This is a lesson. I'm eating a lesson plan for life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing within my bones because what we eat becomes part of us. The secret of youth. The tree of life, simple, simple, without big, sophisticated ideas. Life. Because chametz, which we spend so much time making sure we don't have bread. What's chametz? Chametz is, it had ingredients, but then a lot of other things got mixed in. And it got super puffed up and full of itself. And who knows what it's hiding underneath. You ever go to those like scam bakeries where it's like a rugla that's supposed to be filled with chocolate. And you buy it inside and like, okay, to be, you know, they put one tiny drop of. So that's chametz, right? It pretends to be what it's not. It's all puffed up. It looks very, very, very impressive on the outside. But it is miles away from where it began. It experienced a whole process. And in that process, it felt like it needed to puff itself up for one reason or another. But inside, it's crying all the time. Inside, it's crying all the time, chametz. Because our neshama needs more than appearances. It, 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 needs, it needs to be real. It needs to be. It needs just to be life. So we get rid of all the chametz. We say, I don't want any puffed up pretentiousness in my life. I don't want sophistication. I just want to get a little bit of a taste of who I really am, who I really was. The essence of the essence of me. Before any big ideas and theories and, and concepts, simple, simple faith, simple kindness. Without philosophizing about it, just simple kindness, simple truth, simple goodness, simple giving. Right? So I'll end, I just want to speak just two more, two more points, we'll come to the end. And again, I thank you so much for being here. It's such a privilege to share this space, such a beautiful home. And thank you to our host for making this possible. Just two more, two more points. You know, one of the major foundations of the Haggadah that we say, Seder night, that we read all these different very interesting symbols and are those that say that the Haggadah was actually written by Elijah the prophet, Eliyahu Navi amazing thing because we don't really know who wrote it. We have a tradition that it gets 
pure prophecy. Every word is so deep. Every word. So one of the main things that we read about is the four sons. Right? The four sons, the four brothers, the four sons. Echad Rasha. Right? One of them is, or really, let's start with the Chacham. Right? Echad Chacham. One is, is the wise son. He's first. Then we say Echad Rasha. One is a little bit wicked. I don't really know what that word means, but not so good. But we'll learn about what wicked means in a minute. Echad Tam, which means very simple. And the fourth one doesn't even know how to ask, right? He's a little baby that you can't even speak yet. You know, if you ever saw somebody say Kriya Shema, say Shema Yisrael, so there are those that have a minhag, it's really brought in halacha, it's in Jewish law, that we're supposed to elongate the dalit of echad, right? Because it's supposed to draw it out and have in mind that Hashem is, is one in all four directions, corners of the world. Eight is the eight layers of heaven. Aleph of echad is just Hashem. And so you're supposed to, echad should be drawn out so you have a lot of time to think. And so the way that people say it with a lot of kavana is, if you ever heard men saying it in a, in a shul, maybe some of you do this too, it's like, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. Right, because you want to like draw it out. So that's how they say this word Echad from Krishna. So, the way that the Haggadah speaks about these four children is it introduces them Echad Chacham, Echad Rasha, Echad Tam, Echad She'eni Adelisha. So there's a great Hasidic master of Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. Right, a great Sadiq. A Berdichev Ara. It's marriage to protect us. So he was once by his Seder. And really, it's like, of course, had all the schleppers, you know, all the people that you find in the back of Shul had nowhere to go. He brought them all home. Simple, 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 simple people. Simple people, full people, simple people. And it came to that part of the Haggadah. And one of these simple Jews was just so full of joy and freedom that he stood up on the table and he was reading from this. So he saw the word Echad. So he says, Echad, Chacham. Like Krishna. Echad Rasha. Because he never saw the word Echad in any context. But you don't do that for Echad Chacham, Echad Rasha. It was out of place. So everyone started laughing at him. And it's like, Mamish, if, however much he could get angry, very lovingly, he said, no, no. He said, this is what the Seder is all about. The simplicity. Simplicity. And then he said, this person is really intending something very deep, which of course not what <laughs> this wasn't what this person meant. But he said he's so plugged into the godliness within every person that when he looks at the chacham, he says echad chacham. He finds the one God in that chacham. Echad rasha. <laughs> he finds Hashem echad in that rasha. Echad and so on. Okay, that was the bedicher. But the rasha. What does the rasha say? What's his question? Strong. Ma he says, what is all this stuff, all this work, all these laws, all these practices lachem, that you guys have? Says the Baal Haggadah, or the Yaw Hanavi. He says, whoa, he's excluding himself. He says, this is your stuff. What about, what about him? Very strong, shocking even. 
Because he excluded himself from everybody else, and he says, you guys are out here and I'm here. A, a little bit of a taste of heresy. Crazy thing. Says, says he got to knock out his teeth. It's the craziest thing I ever heard. Right? I mean, he didn't have to come to the Seder in the first place, right? Everybody knows Lubavitcher Rebbe taught about a fifth son who was not there at all. What does this mean? He finally comes. He schleps himself. He involves himself enough to ask a question. You punch him in the face. <coughs> it, it sounds bizarre. It's not aligned with anything we know from our tradition. So listen to this very deep. Well, this will come to the end. Come to the beginning. The tzaddikim say, you know what the Russia's problem is? The Russia's problem is not an objective reality. It's the subjective assuming of a label that somewhere along the way this, this person picked up. Because somewhere along the way somebody told him, which is the most animalistic thing that a human being could do, that he needs to bite people. And not physically, but that he needs to be cruel, that he needs to be wicked, that he needs to be materialist, materialistic, that he needs to be lowly and, 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 and egoic, right? This is what someone told him. So much so he sees himself as having assumed that label that he considers himself, nobody pushed him out. He says, Lachem, you know, you guys, as all the whole Jewish nation is there and me, uh, look where I am. Because someone told him, or because some inner voice tried to convince him that this is who he is. Seder night, the deepest secret that's taught to me and you, is not that there's no work to do. In terms of personal development and growth, of course there is. Not one person here. If you, and I know that because if you had gotten to that level, certainly for myself, I mean, I can't assume, but you wouldn't be here. Nashem should give you long life to 120. So you'd be an angel, right? Everybody has something to work on. Everybody has something to work on. But Seder night, we learn the secret of Urchatz, that we need to work on ourselves and clean ourselves, so to speak, and develop and strive and grow and live fully, not before we can access holiness, which is the way it goes the rest of the year. First, you got to wash, clean, okay, and then you can access holiness. Seder night, it's flipped. What do we begin with the Seder? So the first step is already Kaddish. Kaddish comes first. The first thing is that you are essentially holy. You are essentially pure. You are essentially simple. You are essentially unsophisticated. Tree of life. Once you're rooted in that place, okay, now we can start to fix. That's orchas. That's number two. It means to wash. First, you begin with Kaddish. So what it means that we knock out the Russia's teeth is not we're, we're trying to hurt him, push him away, punish him. It's a very, very shallow way of seeing it. No, what we mean to tell the Russia is shed the label that you picked up along your journey. <coughs> you don't need to bite people all the time. This is not who you are. You don't need to feel that in order to exist in this world, you have to continue acting the way that you acted yesterday. 
because someone told you that this is how you act. I can change, I'm free. I'm not trapped. I'm not chained to anything. I could have lived my life one way until today. And then I'm so free that today I can almost change everything. I could just decide to be something else. Nothing's holding me back. Nothing. And anything that seems to be holding me back is an illusion. It's an illusion. Because nothing matters. Not what the neighbor thinks. And not even what society thinks. Like nothing matters. What matters is the essence of our holiness inside that merges with our youthful sincerity and simplicity. And hope, let's not forget about hope. Hope that the world can be different. And the last point, the same thing with the Chacham. It's the same message. The Chacham wants to know, what are all these laws? Right? What are all these things that you're doing? Teach me, says the Chacham. The Chacham is the big wise one. Right, so in standard circles, the Chacham is, is the hero. And the Rasha is like not so good, and then the other two are not really sure what to make of Right, But the Chacham is, is the scholarly one. Right? He's the Tzaddik. Not by the Hasidic masters. Chacham and being, and being a big intellectual <coughs> wasn't a, a value, wasn't a virtue. If you were great, that, that's not how we define a religious success, but how much or how little you know. We answer the Chacham by telling him that we don't eat anything after the carbon Pesach. Ein maftirin achar Pesach afikomen. We call it the afikomen. It's the little piece of matzah we eat at the end of the Seder. We go to sleep with the taste of matzah in our mouth without eating any dessert. That should be the last thing that we eat. It should linger. It should linger. So all the tzaddikim ask, all the, all the righteous masters and all the books, the Sfarim, the holy works, they say, why is this the halacha that we choose to teach them? There are so many more important halachos. When it comes to Pesach, we should teach them that we can't have chametz. Absolutely not. We should teach them we have to eat matzah. What's this thing? It's not even a halacha. It's not even in the Torah. It's like, it's an Indian. You know, should go to sleep with a taste of, of, the, of the carbon Pesach, which in our days is matzah, on your lips. Like, what are we teaching him? And it's the same message. The Chacham is a person who developed differently than the Russia, but he's not so distant from the Russia because he also picked up labels along the way where he thought that he needs to philosophize everything to death because he's this big scholar and he can write PhDs on religious studies. And he knows all of this very, very intellectual stuff and he reads all these, all these journals. He knows a lot of things and it's good it's good to know things. But sometimes in becoming <coughs> that kind of person and developing so far like Hamid, away from our essential simplicity, you know what happens? We could lose the taste of the thing. The visceral experience of the thing that I might have so much information about. But the question is, okay, so now you, you know everything there is to know about prayer. But did you pray one time? It's a different thing. Right? You could have a person that's a big, he's, he's an expert. He's a, he's a scholar of prayer. And he studied all the prayer of all the nations of the world. And he's an expert on prayer. And then you have a child that, that really one time, you know, his mother was sick or his father was sick. He didn't read any books on tefillah. But, but he looks up at at the, at the ceiling, because that's where he feels he should look. And he says, Master of heaven and earth, oh, can you please heal mommy? 
You understand the difference, right? This child tasted prayer. It's a different thing. Could write a thousand books on marriage and not taste marriage. Could write a thousand books on parenthood and not really know what it means to be a parent. Knowing a lot of information is, is not the is not the you know the litmus test for the actual experience of it. And this is how we respond to the chacham. We say, listen, it's Seder night. There's no time for chametz stuff. No time for negative labels. There's no time for positive labels. There's no time for chametz. We tell him, don't get so caught up in the information that you forget to taste the carbon Pesach. Go to sleep with the taste of the carbon Pesach on your lips. We talk to the chacham about taste because we fear that this may be something he lost along his journey away from matzah. At the end of the Seder, we say, Lushana habab Yerushalayim. Next year, may we merit to be in Yerushalayim. And on the one hand, we mean it literally, and I bless you and me. Next year, this time, we should be sitting in Yerushalayim. We should be preparing for the carbon Pesach. But it even means, it even means, or this week, exactly, or the Shana the Shana But I would say, I would say even, I would say even, that this Three words, l'shana habab Yerushalayim, in and of itself encapsulates the spirit of youth, the spirit of life, the spirit of freedom, <coughs> that the whole night is culminating in this, l'shana habab Yerushalayim, because an old cynical person who's seen too much, who thinks that they know everything there is to know about life, they stop dreaming that next year something else can happen, because forget about it. They may even say it cynically. Ah, oh, okay, Lashana Babisha. They're saying it for thousands of years already. No, 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 no. Not Seder night. Seder night, our eyes start to sparkle again. Seder night, when I open the door for Aliyah and Navi, little bit I sense the spirit of a prophet. Seder night, when I sit around the table with my children, our grandchildren, our parents, grandparents, friends, family, I sense the, the mystery of this story that I'm, I'm, I'm a tiny link in. Because throughout the year, I get so caught up in my own life, like my own drama. Each of us, just a tiny little link in a very long chain that extends well beyond us to the end of time and that reaches well before us to the Garden of Eden. Oh, just a tiny little point in that story. Should all live long and happy. But the goal, and this will end, the goal is to find a way of tapping into the spirit of simplicity and utilizing all the vessels, like we said, of what it means to be an adult, to bring that spirit out, to become a little bit more matzah-like, a little bit more simple, a little bit more real, to listen very deeply to the conversations that we have and ask ourselves, is this the chametz me or is this the matzah me? Do I really want to be saying what I'm saying or... Or is this, do I really mean what I'm saying? Do I really even want to be talking to this person? I would go so far, like, is this my, is this? To try as much as we can. Again, and nobody can get it perfect because it is. Right? We live in a society. But to be conscious of this, this is the goal of Judaism. If you ever saw a real tzaddik, real righteous person, the one thing you saw, and all of us can, can agree, if we ever saw a real saint, the quality that they all shared is a childlike 
simplicity. They could be the biggest geniuses in the world. If you ever saw Rav Chaim Kanievsky, you ever saw a big, big genius at Sadiq, thousands of books in their head, total recall on their fingertips, 99 years old and he's sharp as a whip. The simplicity of it, that's the goal of the Jewish tradition. It's to get us out of cynicism, to get us out of thinking we know the way, to get us into <coughs> asking. The whole Seder night is about asking questions, to get us into hoping. And so I bless you and me, whether we're here, whether we're in Yerushalayim. Hashem, we should be in Yerushalayim, like we said this year already. Hashem should bless us to have a Seder that leaves an impact. It's not just the ritual of it. So we ate our matzah and we did the mar and the whole thing. A little bit we should taste freedom and we should resolve in the preparations for Pesach as we're cleaning, as we're cooking, as we're preparing, in one way or another, to send up a little simple prayer to the, to the Master of Heaven and Earth and say, Rabbi Shalom, you know something? I, I really do have far too, chametz, too much chametz in my life, and I don't mean bagels. I want to be a little bit more simple. Be simple with God. Be full with God. Those who are connected with God. Full of life. We should be full of life. Thank you very, very much for having me. Thank you for listening. Thank you.